Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we are in a series called Controversial Christ. Matthew chapter 11. And it says this, starting in verse 11, um, and this is Jesus talking, and basically what has happened up to this point is uh, John the Baptist, who is a key figure, uh, is in prison. And that's because uh, following Christ has now went from being convenient to controversial. And so he is in prison, and so some of the people that John had discipled went to Jesus to tell Jesus about John's situation. And Jesus turns to the crowd that he was teaching and begins to talk to them about John the Baptist. And this is what he says. He says in verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there of men and women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heavens is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence and the violent seize it. The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent seize it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, uh, for today. I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that as we begin to unfold uh, what your word is speaking to us, Lord God, and as we begin, Heavenly Father, to understand it, Lord, I pray that our spirits, Lord God, will just be open to what it is that you are speaking to us today. I thank you, Lord God, as we want to be good stewards of your word, as we come to worship you, to love you, and to learn from you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. And amen. You may notice that uh, Pastor Phil is not here, and uh, he and his family are on a well-deserved vacation. They are in Georgia resting and, and having a good time, and I just praise the Lord that we have a church that allows its leadership to rest and to be restored, and uh, yeah, and uh, I know we miss them a lot, uh, and we've just been praying for them, and we can't wait for their return uh, and so uh, it's just great that uh, he uh, has entrusted all of the leads and, and all of the people to just continue moving the mission forward here at Inspire. And so, uh, Pastor Phil, if you're listening to this later, we just say we love you and we miss you. Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, in this series, we're talking about some of the most controversial statements of Jesus Christ. Um, and what's interesting is that most of these statements have been misunderstood, uh, even misquoted, um, and some of them are difficult, and they're difficult really for two reasons. Uh, they're difficult because, uh, one, some of them are difficult to understand, but also they're difficult because some of them are difficult to just swallow, difficult to accept. And this is definitely one of them, to talk about violence and the kingdom, violence and the kingdom. 
And what's interesting is with everything going on in the world, all of the problems, you're like, why are we going to talk about violence? Isn't there enough violence? We need compassion. We need, you know, we need kindness in the world, right? We need kindness. We need people to, to be able to look at one another and treat each other. In fact, you know that song? You guys can help me finish it. What the world needs now is what? Yeah, listen to all you saints. Yes. All the saints in the church. Love songs. You got to love love songs. You know, I have a little something with love songs because uh, for me, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with love songs because we'll be playing love songs like in the car or something. And then, well, you know, I'm singing and I'm driving and stuff. And all of a sudden, Becca just kind of looks at me with disappointment. And I'm just like, what's your problem? And she's like, you don't do half the stuff he sings about. I say, well, I mean, I, I also don't have his backup singers and his dancers either, you know. Give me those backup dancers and we might have another tune, you know. <laughs> love, sweet love, you know. And when we think about Jesus Christ, we think of love, and yet we come to these statements and some of us pause and, and we don't necessarily like what it says. Uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven advances through violence. And that's what the Greek word means, violence. There's no way around it. The kingdom of heaven has always moved forward since the days of John the Baptist through violence. And the violent are the ones who lay hold of it. What does that mean? What does it mean? Let's take a look. See, the context is Jesus is telling us about John the Baptist. And in the beginning, John the Baptist came preaching a message. And the message was the Messiah is coming to bring the kingdom of heaven. And uh, listen, the bottom line is that the kingdom of heaven means someone is coming to put everything right, to correct everything, to make everything correct again, all to right all wrongs. And, uh, and we should be a little bit familiar with that kind of a message because it's in our fiction. All of our fiction in, in our culture is full of talking about some sort of golden age of the past or some future age with all psychological and, and social and physical problems. Problems are put, are put corrected and, and everybody is happy, right? And of course, our fiction is talking about age like that. But John the Baptist's message was that the kingdom of heaven is not fiction. The kingdom of heaven is not fiction. It's, it's real and it is coming. There is one that is bringing it and the one that is bringing it is not fiction. He is real and that is Jesus of Nazareth. And that was the message of John the Baptist. That's what John was saying about Jesus. But now we get to see what it is that Jesus is saying about John. Look at this. In this passage, he's talking to the people about John the Baptist, and he says, John the Baptist understood the kingdom of heaven, that this power coming to set the world right again is real, is real. And once John got a hold of that, what did it do to him? Once, once he really grabbed it and understood it, what did it do? It, it, it radicalized him, right? It, it turned him into somebody crying out in the wilderness. It, it meant everything to him. It, it radicalized him. It, it, it also put him outside of the power structures of the day. 
Jesus says, when you see him, um, you don't see a nobleman, right? He's not, uh, you know, in, in king's palaces. He's been marginalized. He's been radicalized. He, he's spiritually intense, right? And once he realized the kingdom of heaven was real and that it was coming, it meant everything to him. It dominated his life. Then Jesus says this. He says, look at ourselves. Look at how we listen to the message of the kingdom. Some of you might come on a Sunday and, and you hear uh, the, the gospel message. You, you, you go home and maybe for some of you, you read about it. And you say, hey, this is, this is very interesting and it's kind of thought-provoking, right? Uh, some of you say that maybe you find it inspirational, right? And yet the status quo in your life hasn't changed, Basically, you, you hear about the kingdom of God, and then you go on as business as usual. And that is impossible. See, because he turns around and he says to the crowd, he says, from John the Baptist until now, anyone who understands the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven that comes into your life, it does so with spiritual force. It comes into your life with a sort of violence, and the violent lay hold of it. And this bothers a lot of people. It ruffles a lot of, of feathers. Because we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is Jesus that's talking, right? I mean, we're talking about Jesus. Isn't he the one that talks about turn the other cheek, right? Yeah, that's him. Isn't he the one that says love your enemies? Yep, same guy, that's him. See? And that's exactly why Jesus uses this term. See, Jesus is a communicator, and he's a preacher. He knows by saying this, he's going to startle you. He's going to puzzle you. He, he's going to begin to make you question, and he wants that from you. He wants you to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? What, what, what is it exactly that you're getting at? Because he wants you to understand what he's getting across. And so my purpose this morning is to explain that the spiritual violence to you and by the God's grace to arouse it in those of you who don't have it and by God's grace to stimulate it in you in, in those of you who are burned low, who are burned low, to explain it, to arouse it in you, or if it's been burnt low, to rekindle it. See, what is the violence that he's talking about? What is that? What's this violence that the only way we can receive the kingdom of God, the only way to enter in the kingdom, to advance in the kingdom, he says, it's through forcefulness, it's violence. What is that? Well, it's always helpful when you're defining something to go by way of negation. And so to say, well, what it is not. And so right away, let's just make it clear, he's obviously not talking about physical violence. The Bible is very against physical violence. You know the place uh, on the Sermon on the Mount when, when Jesus is talking and he said, you heard it say, thou shalt not kill. Well, I say, don't even resent somebody. Wow. Why does Jesus even forbid you holding a grudge? He said, don't even hold a grudge. Wow. That's hard. Why? Why? Why does he forbid that? Because, listen, he knows that it can lead to violence. 
Human life is so sacred. Human life is so valuable that anything that even could lead to the abuse or the weakening or the destruction of human life is not permitted. Even resentment is ruled out. The reason why is because every human life is built on the image of God. God sees an assault on a human being as an assault on himself. And here's what Jesus is saying. Christians are not passive people. Christianity cannot be received passively. Christianity is a proactive stance against the universe. Christianity makes you someone who is characterized by holy violence. In other words, by spiritual aggressiveness. In other words, to break it down even more, by a sweet, humble, spiritual aggression. By a spiritual sincerity. Now, I know modern people stare at terminology like that, like a new cow stares at a gate. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you didn't grow up in the valley. Okay. <clears throat> Coming to the Bay Area, I realized that people who uh, go and, you know, maybe they, you know, eat organic, all of a sudden they feel like they know everything about agriculture. Uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, I shop at Trader Joe's. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Listen, if you have a cow and you ever put up a new gate, he just stares at it. He's confused, you see, because, because we have no framework for it. Spiritual aggression? What? Right? What does that mean? Spiritual intensity? Here's why. The world believes that the only people that are radical, that are zealous and spiritually aggressive about faith and beliefs are arrogant people. That's what they believe, right? The, the world is, in its prejudice, believes that the only people who can be spiritually intense, spiritually ferocious, are arrogant people. And we just, we have to remember that when Jesus was preaching, he would attract tremendous crowds. And there were certain type of people within these crowds that would actually be changed, right? So, and, and, and what kind of people were these? These were relentless people, relentless people. Uh, th these were people who would climb and, and tear and run. They would, they would rip off roofs, remember that? And they'd lower people into roofs. That's relentless people. The, uh, these are people that would stop at nothing. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? It was illegal for her to even touch anybody else. She had to carry a sign and shout, shout how she's unclean and she couldn't touch anybody. But when Jesus passed by in fear that she would miss her moment, she shoved her way through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus's garment. Relentless people pushing their way. Or, or the Roman military commander who rode all the way to tell Jesus, listen, I know that even if you just say that someone's healed, they will be healed. That is relentless. Or blind Barnabas who shouted out Jesus' name. That is relentless people, you see. We, we, and this is the type of people that the kingdom uh, gets hold of and that people get hold of the kingdom. A certain kind of relentlessness, a, a certain kind of 
of hard pursuit, a certain kind of striving, a spiritual intensity that must characterize anyone who will lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. People that will say, no matter what comes, I will follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Remember that? The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Right? Nobody says, no matter what it is, I will follow. Look at three people say, no matter what, no matter what. Just look at them and say, no matter what, I will follow no matter what, no matter what. No matter what comes my way, no matter what comes my way, I have made a decision. I have made a de- I have been determined that I will follow Jesus, whether it be through sickness, whether it be through health, whether it be through being rich, whether it be through being poor. I have decided to follow Jesus, whether I get the career or I don't get the career, whether I get the house or I don't get the house. I have decided to follow Jesus. Somebody might be out there saying, well, wait a second, wait a second. Is this the same church I've been going to? Is it, I mean, is this, this is Inspire, right? I've been here before where, where, where I've heard you be up there that, that say, listen, you can't make yourself a Christian, right? Eternal life is a gift. The only people who, who become Christians are people who, who God has opened their hearts and, and, and you can't do it yourself. The Spirit of God must come and, and help you and open your mind and open your eyes and, and show you his love and truth. Yes, that's absolutely right, of course. Yeah. Of course. But the question is, how do you know? How do you know that God's Spirit is working on you? How do you know that God's Spirit is working in you and through you? Here's how you know. You become spiritually violent. Spiritually violent. Charles Spurgeon said this. He's a great Baptist preacher. And he said, the way you know the spirit of God is striving with you is that you're striving too. The way you know that the spirit of God is striving with you is that you are striving too. Of course, only the spirit of God can come and open up your heart. You don't win the kingdom of God by your striving, but if the kingdom of God is something you're dealing with, if you're truly engaging with truth, if you're truly listening to the message of John the Baptist, then you become like a wild person. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Let's not try to get out from under it. Let's think about it for a minute. Let's not try to just skip over it and be like, you know, well, I don't know what that means. You know, it's kind of controversial. Let's get to the other passages. Let's not do that. Let's, let's think about this for a minute. The kingdom of God suffers violent, and the violent bear it away. What are the marks of this holy violence? What are the marks of, of, of being spiritually ferocious? Well, let me just name you a few to make sure that all of us understand what it is that Jesus is saying, and that we have an idea of what it means. So let me just give you three. You ready for number one? Here it is. Number one, a person who receives the kingdom of God is marked by a proactive seeking of the truth. By a proactive seeking of the truth. In fact, let me just say this. There's two types of people that do not do this. Two types of people. Uh, Number one, the busy person. The busy person. Now, now listen, if the shoe fits, right? Busy people are very assertive. 
They're very aggressive. They're very intense about like their careers. But when it comes to spiritual truth, mm, not so much. When it comes to answering questions like, is there a God? Can you know there's a God? What is true? What is right? What is good? Is there such thing as good and evil? Is there such thing as truth? What, what is good, right? How can I know? How can I receive, uh, know that kind of glory? What, what does it mean to receive eternal life? The, the, those kind of truth concerns, the, the busy person says to those, well, those are interesting, right? But, but, but listen, if I work really hard, I can make partner in 10 years, you know? Listen, if, I, if I'm really aggressive, I, I can make a career out of those things. Yeah, that's interesting, and I might listen to it, you know, once in a while or think about it, but, but, but I'm not aggressive about it, you know? There's an aggressiveness about money and an aggressiveness about appearance and an aggressiveness even about relationships, but when it comes to spiritual truth, there's a passivity. There's a sleeplessness about it. There's an indifference almost, you know? And they say, well, you know, that's nice. I mean, I guess I believe that. Sure. I mean, I haven't really thought about it, right? But there's no hard, proactive seeking. The busy person is too busy to really deal and ask with the big questions of life, right? The, to, to, to look after the truth and say, why am I doing all this? Why am I spending all these hours? What am I doing it for? The busy person's too busy for that. The busy person is not ferocious. They're not a proactive seeker of the truth. But there's a second person, a second person, and that's the cynic, the cynic. See, the cynic says, life is hard, and then you die, <laughs> right? They say, listen, I, I've given up on the idea that you can really find, you know, some mysterious missing joy or satisfaction and fulfillment in life, I've given, you know. And so, they're, in fact, they're almost hostile to the idea of spiritual truth. They, they say, there are no real answers, Right? And I have to say this, I'm actually more understanding to the critic, to the cynic, I'm sorry, than to the busy person. I'm actually more understanding because, because, because usually the cynic are former busy people who have been disappointed. And so, and so they've killed the human part of their heart that wanted those things at one point, right? And they think it's the childish part, but really it's the human part that says there really is joy out there, that, that there really is hope, that there really is freedom that you can get. They say that's childish thinking, and so they kill it, but actually that's the human part of them, the human part. They say there's no such thing as, uh, as you know, hope. Uh, my children love this movie, and we watch it over and over again, and it's from Steven Spielberg, and in it he has Maggie Smith playing an old Wendy. You guys know this movie? Hook, right? And what's interesting is, is Robin William plays a grown-up Peter Pan, and they're, they're coming home from a dinner, and they notice that, that somebody has broken in to their townhouse, and they come in, and, and the lights are flashing, and they see this huge uh, cut through the hallway, and as they run upstairs, one of the lost boys that stayed with Peter and grew old looks at Robin Williams and says, Peter, Hook is back. You've got to fly. You've got to crow. You've got to fight. And then eventually what happens is, is all of a sudden, old Wendy is there talking to Robin Williams, talking to Peter, who's all grown up and doesn't remember his past. 
And she says to him, as she stares into his eyes, and she says, Peter, the stories are true. The stories are true. The stories are true. That's exactly the gospel message. A Christian is somebody that hasn't killed hope, but a Christian is somebody that is spiritually ferocious who looks at, the, 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 at these answers and these questions and he says, listen, the stories are true. They're true. Of course they are. They were written too early to be legends. That there's too much science and history, too much evidence that, that buttresses scripture to think otherwise. Why do you think cynics get so angry when you say, listen, you, 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 you know, you can be born again and you can know Christ and you can have eternal life. And, and, and they just get so mad. Why? It's because it's this psychological defense mechanism underneath all of the intellectual objections. They refuse to get excited about truth. They are busy and excited about other things. They're busy about careers. The cynics aren't excited about anything. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent are the ones that take hold of the kingdom. Take hold of the kingdom. Do you want to know a person who receives the kingdom of God? Well, they come to church, they read their Bible, right? Think about it. They, they may not even necessarily be a Christian, but they're, but they're looking through the pages of Scripture for answers, for truth. And they say, listen, that I know there's answers and I want to know them. I want to know that there's a God. And, and, and maybe I don't understand what's going on here. Explain to me these verses. Explain to me, well, how is this possible? And, and what about this situation? And, and you want to know something? That person is closer to receiving the kingdom of God than someone that comes in and is just lackadaisical about it. Because they're aggressive, they're, 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 they're spiritually ferocious, right? And there's a characteristic there. Number two, to be a Christian, you have to be somebody who's willing to buck the flow. Many of you will find that when you become a Christian, you, you show forth this spiritual intensity in your life, right? And, and it's just a way of saying, listen, I have found truth. And some of you will lose tremendous professional credibility and you'll never get it back in the eyes of a lot of people. There will be people, no matter how brilliant or loving or compassionate or winsome you are, you will, the, 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 they will always be rooting for you to lose. They will always be watching for you to stumble. Always. They will, they will see you as a person that is just wearing camel's fur in the desert, just crying out. And Jesus says, anyone who will receive the kingdom of heaven will realize its truth is going to make you look like John the Baptist. Sometimes, to some people. And you have to be willing to be okay with that. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent bear it away. Number three, the spiritually violent are marked by a spiritual, aggressive humility. Humility. <clears throat> I remember I went to my, my sister, said, hey, I want to try out this new restaurant. So I said, okay, cool. And um, 
So we go, and I don't know anything about the restaurant, you know, and, and I kind of look up the menu beforehand online. I'm like, oh, this food looks dope. Like, I'm excited, you know? And uh, I'm like, I felt Jesus all over this thing. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm driving on the way to the restaurant, you know, saying, yes, Lord, you know, just praising and worshiping, like, ain't nobody do me like Jesus, right, on the way to the restaurant and stuff, and we get out, and I'm just so excited, and, 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 she, and she had invited a couple of people, and we, we walk into the restaurant, and uh, everybody's sitting on the ground. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay. And so, and so the, the waitress, you know, comes and, and shows us our spot, and, and everybody in our group just sits right down. And I'm kind of looking around, right? And so the waitress says, oh, don't worry, you know, you'll be fine, you know, it's good, it's a new experience, you know, just go ahead, don't worry about sitting down, you can just sit down. I said, uh, uh, I'm not worried about sitting down, I'm worried about getting back up. <laughs> Who you have to help me, you better have some health insurance for these employees, tell you right now, because they are going to call out a sick day after they help me get back up, right? <laughs> Getting back up, that was something else. So I sat down, we ate, you know, it was good. But I had to figure out how we're going to do it. You know, so I'm just like doing all these, you know, maneuvers. And... <laughs> not, not that kind of humility. Not that kind of humility. The spiritual violence is marked by spiritual and aggressive humility. There is nothing more intense than the humility it takes to be a Christian. Nothing more intense. Do you know what it means to become a Christian? The message of John the Baptist was, if you want to receive the kingdom of heaven, you must repent. Repent. Who you say that word, especially here in the Bay Area, and just chills go up and down people's spines. I mean, they get so offended, right? When you tell somebody, listen, you got to say sorry. I got to do what? Even with, our, even with our little girls, you know, right now, Olivia, that's a hard one. It's hard for Olivia to say sorry. We say, baby, you got to um, say sorry. I said, say sorry. She's like, I don't want it. I'm all, you know what? As I go to reach for the belt, what? And she says, fine, sorry. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> repent. That's all he said. That was basically, repent, repent. All the way until they dragged him and cut off his head. Repent, repent. The wor See, the world thinks if you're spiritually intense, if you think that you know God, this is what, this is what our society, especially Bay Area says, they say, listen, if you try to say, if you try to think that you know God, they think you must be arrogant. But do you see where the prejudice comes? To think that someone who's no God is arrogant assumes that salvation is a prize to be won and not a gift to be received. See, the football team may be favored all season to win the Super Bowl. They may be undefeated going into the Super Bowl. And the day before their opposition, they may have lost three quarterbacks, but you cannot be totally sure you're going to win the Super Bowl until you do. Until you do. You're going to be tremendously arrogant if you right before say, I know we're going to win, right? 
Everybody hates those guys. <laughs> right? Anybody see the Warrior game last night? Ooh, tough one. Spiritual warfare right there. We were praying. Yes. We are at Nelson's house, and I was like, Lord Jesus. See? Because, no, because they, they, they want to see them lose because the, the Super Bowl is a prize to be won. But, but if you have a gift and someone has given it to you, it's not arrogant to say, I've received a gift. It's not arrogant to say, I have it. John the Baptist and Jesus both are saying what it means to be a Christian. The only people who receive the kingdom of heaven are those who have kind of gotten rid of this idea that they're capable of winning the prize. Listen, nobody's capable of winning it, right? In fact, watch this, write this down. The only people who receive the kingdom of heaven are those who abrogate the idea that it's a prize to be won and see it as a gift to be received. You have to see it as a gift to be received and not a prize to be won. You can't earn this. We can't earn it. You see, there's just no way. When you first see how deeply you have to repent, you have to say, listen, the problem with the universe is me. It's me. I deserve to be lost. I deserve to be cut off. And when you see that, then you have to see. It just feels like death. But then you meet resurrection. See, only the spiritually humble, only the humbly ferocious receive the kingdom. Right? Do you know today that you're a Christian? Do you know that? Do you know right now that you have received God? Do you know right now that if you die, God will receive you into his heavenly chambers? Do you know? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that? Do you know these things? If I say to you, are you a Christian? And you say, well, I hope so. I mean, I'm trying. Listen, Roger, I'm trying to be one. I'm trying, right? Then that means you have not received Radical humility. Because you still think that it's a prize to be won. That's why. No wonder you're so unhappy. No wonder you're miserable. No wonder you're stressed out. No wonder people get on your nerves. No wonder. Right? No wonder. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the radically, spiritually, ferocious, the intense humility... The violent, the spiritually violent, are the ones who take it away. Lastly, not only do you need violence to get into the kingdom, but watch this, you need violence in order to advance the kingdom. In order to advance the kingdom. Tozer says this, the way you know a person is a real Christian and not just a nominal Christian is the more they get to know God, the more desperately they want to know God. Did you catch that? The more they get to know God, the more desperately they want to know God. The more they experience his love, the more desperately and thirsty they are for his love. Therefore, real Christians find their life is characterized by holy violence. Let me ask you this as we get ready to close. Have you ever like actually tried to like pray, like really pray? You know how hard it is to pray? 
Like, really pray. Like, go, go, go ahead and just say, I'm going to carve out two hours, and I'm just going to pray for two hours. Try that. Try it. Try it. That's hard. That's difficult. It's hard to not get distracted or to not get your mind to think about something else or your phone's going to go off or, you know, you get hungry. I mean, it's hard. You think about it, right? Right? When Jesus says the kingdom of God advances only through violence, listen, try to pray for two hours. You'll, you'll see how rewarding it is, but you'll see how hard it is to concentrate. You'll see how hard it is to focus, how hard it is to, to, to look at these truths right? And you're looking at these truths and you're like, why aren't they warming my heart? Where's my, where's the, you know, the, 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 the goosebumps and the chills, you know, just, just go to your room and shut the door and try praying for two hours and just see, see what happens, right? Oh, see, in order to do that, you have to have tenacity. In order to do that, you have to be relentless. In order to do that, you have to be spiritually aggressive, and violent, because you're going to have to fight through a lot of stuff in order to do that, my friend, right? But, if, but look at the holy men and women of God in history. You'll see holy violence, boldness, right? you even see people arguing with God, right? That, I mean, because they're seeking him. Moses says, I want to seek your face, and I will do nothing else unless I can know your presence. That is the mark of people who are advancing the kingdom of God. Or what about worship? Some people, when they worship, they engage emotionally, but they don't engage intellectually. Other people engage intellectually, but they don't engage emotionally. Some people don't engage at all, right? Oh, sure, you're reading the words on the screen, and you're moving your lips, but, but, but they're not pushing in. They're not thinking about it. They're not reflecting. They're not responding. There's not a deep adoration. And here's why. Because you haven't awakened to the reality of who Jesus is. I had the privilege the other day to, to speak to uh, the, the worship captains. And it was a small group. We were at Paul and Gigi's house, and it was awesome. We had food, and my wife made... Uh, some green enchiladas and they brought rice and we had chips and I mean it was good we got down it was good praise Jesus we had a good time and one of the things that I talked to them about is the reality of worship what worship does because see like on the Mount of Transfiguration worship awakens it says that they were awakened to who Jesus was worship awakens us up to the reality of Jesus because when you say something like this oh I know that God's forgiven me now I just need to forgive myself when you say that that means that you are not awakened to the reality of Jesus it means that you don't really know that Jesus has forgiven you right it means his forgiveness hasn't been a reality to you it isn't real when you say, I don't know what I can do about my bitterness. I don't know what I can do about my worry. I don't know what I can do about my low self-esteem. I, 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 you know, I know what the Bible says, but, but it doesn't seem to be affecting me. L listen, it's because you're not awakened yet. You're not awakened to it. When you're worried, it's because you're, 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 his providence and, and, and his provision and his love for you isn't real yet. It isn't real in that moment. But see, when you worship, and you worship with spiritually, being spiritually aggressive and spiritual violence, and, and you engage emotionally, and you engage intellectually, 
then you take hold of the kingdom. See, because all of a sudden the gospel burns you and melts you and cuts you and heals you and restores you. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent bear it away. As we get ready to sing, as we get ready to have a response to be spiritually aggressive, a response to, to advance in the kingdom, as we get ready to do that, listen, Christian friends, maybe you've been passive with truth. Maybe you've been busy. You've been busy pursuing and you're aggressive, but you're aggressive in all the areas that doesn't really matter. Right? Maybe you're just, maybe you're just criticizing everything. And maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you have no joy. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Anything good that comes your way, you just kind of like, well, we'll see how long it lasts. Right? Something is just lost in you. You're passive with your prayer life. You're passive with your witness. You're passive with your worship. Look at Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, the author and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So let us cast off anything that's keeping us from staying close from Jesus. From the days of John the Baptist until now, until this day, until now, can you be relentless? You're going to have to be violent because there's going to be things that come against you to try to distract you, to try to delay you, to try to depress you. But, you, but listen, you're going to have to be relentless, not because you have earned it, but because you've already received it. Because you've already received it. That's the message of the gospel. You're not spiritually aggressive because you're trying to get it. You're spiritually aggressive because you already have it. You already have it. Those are the ones that get it. Those are the ones that grab it and understand it. You see. Can we stand to our feet? And as we begin to sing, listen. This is how we fight. This is how we fight. This is how we go forward. Because we stand in victory that we already have because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus because we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Now, with that energy, now with that determination, we, we, become a, we, we aggressively pursue truth. We aggressively pursue Jesus. And the more we get to know God, the more we desire to want to know even more of him. Do you want to know even more of him? Because this is how we fight our battles. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We praise you, Lord Jesus, in this moment, God. And Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that if we've busied our life with everything else but what matters most, Heavenly Father, we're so sorry. Lord God, in times where we have been passive about our faith, passive about truth, passive about love, God, we're sorry. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we draw our strength, our tenacity from you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord.
And I pray, Lord God, that, that there will be something within us that just stirs us, that causes us to just be spiritually aggressive, to push forward, Heavenly Father. And what that thing will be will be the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we will see you, that we will be awakened to who you are. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that you bless us, Lord God, as we continue on with our lives, Lord God, this week, that we will not just continue on just as business as usual, but Heavenly Father, that we will just love on you and that we will just seek you like never before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.